Welcome to Life Planning 101, brought to you by Smart Money Group and Kennedy Financial Services in Eastland, Texas. Tune in every week as we share important information to help you and your family live life on purpose. Insurance, investments, legacy and tax planning, and much more. All covered now on Life Planning 101. Here we are with another episode of Black and White Market Chatter on Life Planning 101. Matt Irvin and Aaron Kennedy with you today. A little bit of interesting format. We come out with a short part today and a teaser episode that builds into our long one next week. So hopefully you guys can bear with our format just a little bit. We're but getting crazy. Yeah, it's uh, you know trying to trying to knock this out and then keep you guys informed at the end of the day. That's, that's our main purpose and goal. So before I sit here and, and talk about the structure of the show for seven minutes, Aaron, let's talk about what's going on in the market. Uh, we had a little bit of a choppy markets this week. Tell me about, about what's happening. Well, I think the market really got ahead of itself. Um, we started out the year gangbusters, and it looks like we're trying to give it all back very quickly. And this is almost a Jekyll and Hyde thing where the market believes that it's smarter than the Fed. It doesn't trust it, right? It, it does not trust it. it. They're fighting the Fed. market was going straight up. And then our economics numbers started coming out. We started finding out maybe the economic numbers that we'd been given weren't exactly accurate. Right. So we're coming into this point where the market is finally starting to believe what the Fed is saying. And they're saying lower or higher rates for longer. Right. And we're just going to have to fight through this until inflation goes down. Right. I think we touched on it last time. Everybody needs to be be prepared that the numbers aren't going to go back to 2020. Right. We talked a lot about that. Yeah, it's the growth that has to slow. The rate of change. Right. Yeah. If we've grown 20% over the last 12 months, if we only grow 6 this year, you know, that's still 26% or a lot higher than that compounded, but the 6% growth is not as bad as the 20 Oh, but even if we're flat the year after that, we're still at almost 30% yes, over yes. three years. So but we're not going back. Yeah. Just the, this shock has to slow down. Yeah. And there's a lot to that because I think the Fed came out and I didn't read the details of the minutes, but what I understood from some of the commentators was they had that shift to say, well, we could go back to 50 basis points. And there's a lot of, of noise out there that said, well, if the Fed would have known basically the stuff that even came out today, they may have stayed at 50 last time and not dropped to that 25. So do yes. they go up? And then that raises the question, what gets them back down to 25 yeah. and to zero and to stop? I mean, it just it opens that whole new band-aid. That, that's the fascinating thing to think about. What are they looking at? I mean, we know that they're looking in the past. Right. Right. And we know what they've done has not really gone through the market yet. Right. So why did they slow down? We didn't have evidence saying they should have. And I think this goes back to the immense pressure that they're feeling because the market, that's a lot of pressure saying you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You have politicians saying the same thing. You know, you have uh, countries and leaders around the world saying the same thing, you know, but if they could come out with a story that says, we're going to wait here, you know, we're going to wait here and see what happens, that would be great. Right. But they're not. They're fixing things. We are getting this done. Yeah. And we're not seeing any progress. And we shouldn't. No, no. But so when you think about it, you know, so people are getting raises, although, you know, even based on the numbers this morning, it's about half of what the inflation was. So, you know, rates, wages grew, but inflation grew more. They're saying the savings rate is growing more. So 
you know, people are having a little bit extra in their budget to survive. They're still forced to spend. I think we've seen services drop way off. And so they're not maybe going to all the vacations or the extras per se, but you're being supported by businesses because over the last, call it, what, 24, 36 months, there's been an issue with wage prices. So all this stuff is working against the Fed. And if companies continue to offer low intro or 0% rates, they don't feel the interest rate issues that the Fed's causing. You know, look at, um, I think it was Rocket Mortgage. I heard an ad at some point that said 1% off for 12 months or something to that effect, right? It's like, okay, so they're trying to accommodate, but even that, if they're offering that, they're assuming that the Fed will pause, pivot, go down. Yes. Everybody's trying to outlast the Fed, and so that's that. That's it. You know, they're they're. It's kind of a kind of a bulldog fight. The little dogs, the Fed, and they have to stand their ground. How much are they gonna yeah. they're gonna bark before they bite? Yeah. Isn't that, <clears throat> that that's hilarious? It's like uh, the whole GameStop. Uh, saga, oh yeah, you know, yeah. the little man. Right. Yes. Take it to the man. That's yeah. <laughs> and, but but you're right. That's exactly what is happening. Yeah. The market is fighting off the largest, biggest bully in the world, which is the U.S. government. I'm not trying to get political there. I'm talking with money. That's right. Money. There's a lot of U.S. dollars out there. Yeah. And and we don't even, we're talking about the raising, but we're not even talking about the tightening, which has a similar effect. They're doing that. That's kind of the behind the scenes thing. I know we talk about this a lot, but, you know, the biggest place we're getting to is we built this up to say, why are we doing what we're doing? You know, right. we're staying it. You hear the tune. And I think I shared this last week. We had a client say, you know, what are you guys doing? Well, we're getting, you know, building some dry powder, going more quality, less value. He's like, well, that's what I've heard the last two or three years. Well, there's a reason why. And weeks like this, it feels a little better that we've been that disciplined than weeks like in the early January where yes. the market took straight off. So we got to, we got to stay hooked. We got to stay disciplined. Um, Aaron, we got to round out this segment of today. Of course, we'll have, have more segments to follow. But uh, talk to me about how you want to lead right into what are we doing today? Why are we doing it for this week? Why are we doing it for the foreseeable future? Okay. Well, oh, the big thing I wanted to talk about today is diversification. You know, we have certain playbooks and things that work in certain economic environments. And uh, these are battle-tested. You know, none of this is new. We went through this the 70s and the 80s. Market downturns, we've been through too many of them just over the last couple of decades. So there's a playbook. And I want to talk about what that playbook is and what diversification is. And how sometimes we feel a lot better if we own a lot of different things, but we're really not <laughs> doing right. anything. Yeah. So if you have a good feeling of what's going on and, and you know what should work better, you know, from a relative standpoint than something else, why go against that? Right. So, Aaron, let's take a pause there. We're going to wrap up our part for today. This is our Friday market chatter, our market minute, excuse me, and we're going to bring it right into market chatter. Y'all come back next week and hear the rest of the episode. Appreciate you both, Matt, Irvin, Aaron Kennedy, right here on Black and White Market Minute on Life Planning 101. Be back with you soon.
So here we are returning after our uh, Friday teaser of the Black and White Market Minute, talking about inflation, talking about diversification, and, and really what that means. I think, Aaron, you touched on the fact that having a little bit of everything doesn't make you diversified. Um, another point, which I think we're going to touch on, too, is having uh, 10 advisors doesn't make you diversified. Yes. Having 10 pieces of real estate doesn't necessarily make you diversified. You know, there's... Um, I guess some is it some misnomers or some some false truths that sometimes people believe that that are you know affirming that self confidence like hey I'm doing great but really you could be exposing yourself to a lot yes. of risk that you don't know so um, so kick it off and talk you know start high level and we'll dive down right. diversification one of my favorite is the diversification amongst advisors and throw this out there that all the advisors are invested in stocks. If I am buying the, the Vanguard S&P 500, your J.P. Morgan guy is buying the Spider S&P 500, uh, your Edward Jones guy is buying the iShares S&P 500, how diversified are you? Sounds like you got three of the same thing. Yes. Now, no, let's take a step back. Oh, yeah, that, that sounds stupid. But what if I am your value manager mm-hmm. and your J.P. Morgan is your growth guy? We put those together, what do we have? S&P 500. We own it all. Right. You know, so how diversified are you? Well, and to that point, remember back, I think it was, what, 2019 or so, and you'll correct me here, but where they started to make a case as to why the FANG stocks were then now quality, right? Yes. They, they, they couldn't be touched. They couldn't go down. So because they're they're really growth-tilted stocks, but that's the only thing making money, so the quality manager said, I'm, I'm tired of sitting on the sideline. We're going to make a case to why these are quality. And so yeah. now you not only own the whole S&P 500, you're that much more concentrated than yes. the FANG stocks. Yes, yes. Um, I'm not meaning to correct you, but it was value. That, okay, whatever. Whatever it was. Fidelity, I wish you would. Oh, no, yeah. man, I, I shouldn't name names. Fidelity, but uh, in their value fund, it was Microsoft. Tesla, Amazon, and I called them up and they said, well, you know, if you put it all together, it has a value tilt. Yeah. But what's the best way to make a value fund really look great? Load it up with growth stocks in a growth market. Well, right, because value is kind of the land of no return. It has specific places in time, but it's it's had some headwind if you look over a long track record. And so, at some point, those those guys get tired of sitting on the sideline. You know. Yes. But everything. Everything has a purpose, right? Everything has a purpose. Even and you, I think you said it so well. You're supposed to hate something in your portfolio all the time. Yes, right. And I, I can't remember where that came from, um, but yes, yeah. yeah. If you're truly diversified, you know you have something in there that you just hate, right? And you want to get it out of there. And what do you want to put it in? Everything you love. Everything. And why do you love it? Because it's got high momentum, it's it's rolling Going straight it, up, yeah. it's working, yeah. and then the market changes, and you said, "Man, I wish I wouldn't have got out of yeah. that." But that's what true diversification is. So, you know, um, I think everybody knows that we bring in a bunch of uh, interns during the year. Um, we do a lot of teaching, and um, you know, a lot of the the kids that come through here are really excited about the stocks, and they want to know this or that, and I try to push them away from that and say, hey, look, let's deal in beta. Okay, this is, if I say beta, that means market exposure. Volatility, right? I mean, is that? Yeah, how much How much market that we're owning? So just think stocks. Right. I don't care if it's value stocks or growth stocks or dividend stocks. You still own stocks. 
Right. And if the stock market goes down, what happens? Stocks behave like stocks. Yeah. What if I'm diversified? Well, stocks still go down. Right. So from that standpoint, when there's a saying out there that when things get bad, all correlation goes to one. And it doesn't matter if you own utilities, if you own whatever. How many stocks you could own? 1,500 stocks. So to, to just pause you, correlation is as it relates to basically the S&P. Yes. Right? So even if you say you're diversified in a 15-stock portfolio, when the market goes down, it behaves much more like the broad-based market. Yes, exactly. Okay. And think about the reasoning behind this. We've all been to that point where the market is really beat up. And what goes through your mind? Sell it all. <laughs> yeah. And that's really what happens. Someone goes in there and hits sell, and it takes their portfolio to cash. They're also selling utilities. They're selling real estate. They're selling Microsoft. You know, so it doesn't matter. When they hit the sell button on their socks, everything gets sold. So all stocks start to behave like all stocks. Yeah. So when we're diversifying, that first step is to take a step back and say, how many stocks do I own? Right. It could be the best portfolio in the world, and your, your companies could be growing their sales by 100% a year. But if everybody sold it, it went down. Right. Yeah, it it doesn't matter how well the company performed, the price of the stock went down. Right. So when we're building this perfect portfolio, we need to own something that's not stocks. Right. So there's not a whole lot of things... So there's, there's two different things, low correlation, non-correlated, and negative correlated. So if it's lowly correlated, think about if the market goes up 10%, you go up 6 Okay. okay? It, it doesn't move as much. The market goes down 40%, you go down 12 So it moves in the same direction, just not with the same velocity or speed. Yes. Okay. So uncorrelated, the market could be up 20 you might be down three. Market could be up 20, you could be up 25. My return stream does not matter. It does not matter what the market does for me to make returns. That's uncorrelated. Negatively correlated is it does the opposite. So if the market's up, you're down. Market's down, you're up. Think about doing uh, shorting stocks or something in, like taking so the inverse, opposite view. Right? Inverse, that's exactly right. So. Long term, we know 70% of the time stock market's up. Okay. Stock market's up over every 20-year period. You know, If you want to make money, you need to be in the stock market. Right. So we don't necessarily want to be negatively correlated. If we know over time stocks are going to be up, if we're negatively correlated, then we know over time we're going to be down. Yeah, nobody likes a guaranteed loss. No, we don't, no, we don't. no. So we want uncorrelated things that I have the opportunity to make money regardless of what the market does. Right. Hopefully I have something working. So instead of looking at it as the stock market, think about it as the economic cycle. What assets do better in different cycles? That's an interesting concept. Yeah. So think about a big, big recession. Stocks are down. What sure. would be up? You know, and that could be long-term treasuries. Those are normally uncorrelated. And when we're saying long-term treasury, these are U.S. government bonds that are 20 to 30 years long. What happens when we're in a recession? The Fed comes out and says, we need to help. So they start lowering interest rates. And when they lower interest rates, 
long-term bonds increase in value. There's a term that we use, it's uh, duration. It's how much the market moves per 1% of interest rate moves. Okay, So uh, long-term treasuries are about 18% or 18 duration. So, you know, let's say we're at four right now on the long-term interest rates. Okay. If the Fed comes out and says, holy cow, the market is cratered, we got to start lowering interest rates. And what happens if they lower it back down to one? So we, we've got 3% interest rate move. Those long-term treasuries should be up 54%. So there's an asset out there that typically, not every time, no guarantees, that normally does good during economic recession. Is that because the Fed steps in and helps? Right. So that is a great long-term uncorrelated Awesome. Hey, let's take a quick break right here. Love to hear about that one piece of, of diversification. We're going to come back and hear about a few more in our last piece of the black and white market chatter uh, right here on Life Planning 101. Back for our final piece of today's episode of Black and White Market Chatter Live Playing 101. Matt Irvin, Aaron Kennedy with you talking about diversification and how bonds, long treasuries, are one way to diversify. Correlated, yes. So here, here's the tricky part going back to that. 18% duration. What happens if the Fed goes from 1% up to 4 Yeah. This happened last year. Everybody's safe money got crushed. Right, and that was the whole debunk of the 60-40. Will it ever live again, yes. you know, the age-old you know, retirement portfolio? Yes, so. so if we're looking at economic cycles, when we're hot, right. you know, the market's screaming, the economy's screaming, you don't really want to be in long-term treasuries right. because if the Fed tries to slow things down, you're going to get hurt. So this is one of the, the tricks. How in the world do we put this together where we're protected, but we're not hurting, or, we're not shooting ourselves in the foot when right. things are good? Right. You know, so that part's tricky, but it's a great diversifying tool. If we're looking at economic cycles, what's another uncorrelated asset that can do good or can do bad? And that's commodities. Okay. Typically, if you look at commodities as a whole across the board, they've been horrible. I mean, last 20 years were negative returns. It's not fun. Not fun. Um, but a lot of the, so taking, taking a step back, uh, commodity index are uh, market cap weighted. What's a commodity that we use more than anything else across the world? Oil. Oil. So most indexes are very concentrated in oil. So if you look back over time, oil's been down. So that's the biggest driver of commodities. I mean, from the index standpoint. Right, right, right. And, that, and that's what's hard is, you know, to understand some of this, I think we're all kind of developing like, well, how is oil down when it's had such such runs? And I think the thing to remember is that when you look from a point-to-point standpoint, 20-year time, you're seeing what we're talking about. We all anchor back to a point in our life where oil was extremely profitable, yeah. like we've right seen now. in recent months. Right now. We oil also look fantastic. back to times where oil dropped out the bottom and we wondered if it would ever come back. Yes. We also think forward to times where they're bringing back you know, sailboats on cargo ships and they're bringing back natural gas or bringing to natural gas, excuse me. But so our minds are individually anchoring to points. So just remember that when we look at these, we're talking broad based over 20 years. Yeah, yeah, so I, I want to make, make sure everybody knows we're talking broad based indexes. Because, right. you know, 
If we're looking at commodities, how does oil relate to pork bellies? Or wheat? Or steel? Or copper? You know, these are all different commodities right. that are in the index, but they all perform differently at different times. Yeah. So if you look at them as a whole, it doesn't matter what the market's doing, there's some commodity that's working. We're either hungry or we're building or we're traveling. We're traveling. We're doing something. You know, so it is a great time or commodities can be a great tool in your portfolio as long as it's positioned right. And you know, there's been lots of studies of what really, really works well in high inflationary environments, and that is commodities. And not only commodities, but trend-following commodities. Okay, I was going to ask, is there a certain one? I mean, everybody, we would all like to find that nugget. What's the answer? And I think, even touching back on, we know what didn't work because there's really no safe place in 2022. Right. So it's like, okay, so if we're finding something, if commodities work in an inflationary environment, is there one? But I think you're touching on it. It's trend following. It's trend following. Because sometimes people are hungry. Sometimes people want to travel. Sometimes they want to do both. But the momentum, we talk about momentum a lot. Momentum, you know? that's exactly right. And think about right now, think about your behavior in this time of high inflation. Mm-hmm. We've touched on this a lot, but replacement cost. Yes. I'm not buying the T-bone anymore. So I'm going to pork. Right. So our commodities, if we do that across the country, which commodities should do well and which ones should do bad? Yeah. 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 You, know, you want to start moving to pork. That's why trend following works so well. Right. You know, hey, it's too dang expensive to build my, my house out of lumber. So I'm going to use... I'm going to build a steel building. Sure. You know, or I'm going to be, I'm going to build it out of haylock bricks and use yeah. aggregates. You know, so this is why trend following works in the commodity world during these times. But that's a, it's a very great place to put some money that doesn't really act like the stock market, yeah. doesn't really act like the bond market. Right. And it has a chance to get you an income stream or a return stream regardless of what everything else is doing. Right. Right. So that's that's interesting. So so we've talked about, you know, treasuries, we talked about commodities. You know, what are what are another couple of things or, or what to look at for diversification? So let's look at um, what's another big economic fear, uh, stagflation or deflation. Mm-hmm. So if we're in a time of deflation, you want to be Japan. Okay. If I have $100 in my bank account. Mm-hmm. And it cost me $100 to fill up my truck in diesel. Six weeks later, it only takes me $80 to fill up my truck. Deflation. Prices are going down. How much did my cash make? 20%. Yeah. More. more 25% just sitting there doing nothing. So if we're looking at it from economic standpoint, economic cycles, we want to boom stocks or maybe commodities, uncorrelated. Um, During bad markets... Recessions, we want treasuries, long treasuries. Right. If we got prices decreasing, we want cash. So that's a great way to build a portfolio that you have uh, four simple, basic investments that should perform over time. Very safe. Not very much. I think right. we ran it out. It's like 4 or 5% yeah, four or five over 20-something years. Yeah. yeah. So nobody gets excited about 
true diversification. No, no. And and so you'd always talk about the thing that you hate in a certain market and, and usually it's your advisor if you're only making four or five percent when the market's up twenty. Yes. So um, you know, that's that's the biggest thing is that it's a it's a discipline. This is the puzzle that has to be put together in everybody's account yeah. every time. Because you don't want to be overextended. Well, let me take that back. We always want to be overextended in the good times. Sure. Yep. We wish we were all in cash last year, but the world can't work that way. We're going to miss out. No, let's touch on that. We're getting close to time, but I want to, you know, we talk, some people come to us and say, well, you know, I want what you're asking, a little bit of everything. And it doesn't work because of the discipline, right? Yes. If, if you have equities making uh, even 8 to 12%, you're going to hate cash that's making nothing because again when equities make eight to twelve usually interest rates are low in a really growthy environment it, it gets yes. whipsawed right you know people may be traveling because they feel good so commodities might be high but they might not be because they're they're maybe replacing for more quality goods right we talked about going the other way on substitutes yeah. but so we, we talk about putting this all together and what we're going through to put it together. But just think, if you have your commodity guy in one building and your cash guy in another building and your stock guy, in a, and I say guy, could be lady, could be whatever, does not matter. My point is, is we're, we're big on collaboration. And it's really difficult to do it in one house, let alone five houses. So you yes. think you're diversified. I guarantee you, you got stuff working wildly against each other. And you don't even know it. And you don't even know it. Yeah. And when, uh, you said it. We work with a lot of advisors, too. Yes. You know, and usually that relationship is extremely difficult because they yeah. think we're coming for them. Right. You know? Yes. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the times they're not really open or honest, yeah. uh, you know, or just, you know, holding things close to the best. Yeah. You know, over time, they realize that we're working for, for you, right. you know, the client. And then once once we get to that point, things start to work a lot better. And, you know, I get phone calls and says, hey, I'm thinking about this or I'm doing this. Yeah. You know, you're not doing the same thing, are you? you know? yeah. And that works. That's the way it should work. Well, and that's the thing. That's human nature, though. It's human because nature. Because advisors, although we are trained to identify biases and biases, yeah. I guess, we are not immune to them. Oh, and yeah. so we, we have to hold each other accountable and then to, again, do that across firms because we're all, we all train a little bit different. I mean, you talked about our internship program earlier about how their thoughts coming into the program and then their, their conversations during. So just relating that back to advisors. So we were all raised different, right? We all had things happen to us growing up or in college and, you know, we all have our different biases and our different beliefs. Yeah. Makes it interesting, but so we we work for you. So, but going back to diversifying advisors or the uh, and you've seen this before, where I don't know what to pick. I have four hundred one k and I have an allocation and I have twenty options. I'm going to put a little in each one. Oh, and I'm yes. diversified. So that's the same as having twenty different yeah. advisors because each fund has a manager and the manager has a goal. And we talked earlier about. When value doesn't work, we're gonna we're gonna maybe change our screen to have a value tilt versus true or deep value, yes. and we're gonna we're gonna justify it. And, and how does that help you? Right, it doesn't. It doesn't. So get to the point you don't know what you own, and that's right. dangerous. So true diversification is is not a fun ride. Humanly perceived diversification, although it may feel better because we think we're making efforts, is not effective. 
Right. right. It's, it's really not. So there's a lot there. And Aaron, we've, we've got to get wrapped up for time. So, so finish this out here. What are your final thoughts on diversification under the current market environments? Diversification, we're going through a bad time economically. Uh, numbers are still heating up. The Fed's still going to be fighting us. So don't throw in the towel yet on what's coming. And the thing that is coming is higher interest rates, economic slowdown. We will get back to the point of deflation, but don't know if it's at the end of this year, uh, middle of this year. Just stay disciplined and don't get caught up in these wild market swings. Take a step back and see what the big picture is. That's right. And you touched on something there. Those who succumb to the pressures of FOMO, fear of missing out in the early months of this year, take a step back, seek guidance, seek help. Yes. Because you want to be, you want to weather. This is a, this is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, if you burn out in the first quarter mile, you're never going to see the end of the year. (laughs) So let's take a pace. Let's get our risk right. Let's diversify as best that we can and do this the right way. That's right. Everybody's different. So everybody's diversification and what risk they're willing to take is different. And that's really what sets us apart. You know, we're going to sit down and we're going to listen to you because we will fail if we're not all on the same page. That's right. That's super important. Well, thank you, Aaron, for your time today, as always. Uh, appreciate you guys being with us on this, this episode about diversification in the current markets. Uh, appreciate you. If you have any questions, please reach out to us. Call us. We'd love to visit with you. If you have any ideas for topics or things you want to know about, want to hear yeah, from I you. So. so that'd be great. So, so wrapping up today's episode of Black and White Market Chatter, Matt, Urban, and Aaron Kennedy on Life Planning 101. Thank you for joining us for Life Planning 101, brought to you by Smart Money Group and Kennedy Financial Services. If you have questions, you can email them to lifeplanning at kennedy-financial.com. Don't forget to learn how our sister company can assist you with all of your tax, bookkeeping, and consulting needs. You can find out more at briscoeandassociates.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more Life Planning 101. The opinions expressed herein are those of the firm and are subject to change without notice. The opinions referenced are as of the date of publication and are subject to change due to changes in the market or economic conditions and may not necessarily come to pass. Any opinions, projections, or forward-looking statements expressed herein are solely those of the author, may differ from the views or opinions expressed by other areas of the firm, and are only for general informational purposes as of the date indicated. Securities offered through Calton & Associates Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Smart Money Group LLC. Kennedy Financial Services and Smart Money Group LLC are separate entities and are not owned or controlled by Calton & Associates Incorporated.